Network. Hi, this is Stephen Turek from the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of Ego, the 80s geek out. We hope you enjoy the show. And welcome to episode 20 of Ego, the 80s Geek Out podcast. My name is Ian Clark, and I am joined, as always, by the wheel of pain to my tree of woe, a Bradford Anderson. Brad, how are you this morning? Good, Ian. How are you, sir? I am great. Um, I don't know if I'm so much a tree of woe. Maybe maybe like a like a shrub of eh. Maybe that's, that's probably well, maybe a little more. Maybe the anvil of crumb. I don't know. Oh, yeah. 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 There we go. So, uh, for those that haven't figured it out, and of course it says in the title anyway, but we are finally reviewing Conan the Barbarian, which is unabashedly my favorite movie of all time. This is May that we are recording, and it is the 40th anniversary of Conan the Barbarian, so figured we would um, – it was the perfect time, and this is one I've been waiting to do, so I'm super, super excited. And um, Brad, I was wondering – first off, how long had it been since you had seen the movie? Uh, excellent question it's probably been i don't know maybe maybe 20 years wow and the funny thing is you know having watched it again and you know paying obviously much more closer attention this time i was surprised about the amount of parts that i didn't remember but i was also happily surprised about a lot of the parts i did remember segments of um, the film throughout its entire th- throughout its entirety, but yeah, I'd say probably 20 years, but that that could be a slight exaggeration. It may have been sooner than that, but I would say probably safely uh, two, almost two decades. <laughs> wow, wow, that's cool. Okay, cool. So you'll have a good perspective on it. Yeah, this one for me is a little interesting because um, I I definitely saw it as a kid, but for yeah. whatever reason, it wasn't one that, and we've talked about numerous times we've talked about renting vcrs or when you finally got a vcr and then you went and rented a bunch of movies for the weekend and you yep. would watch those movies multiple times things like uh, other fantasy movies like legend Beastmaster, stuff like that right. i remember watching a ton this one for whatever reason i wonder maybe it's because it's because the sex scenes and stuff maybe you know maybe my parents weren't as um you know eager to to rent it again or whatever i don't i don't know whatever the case may be uh but it, it was not one that i saw a ton and then back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when I got a DVD player, it was it was a fairly early on one of the first movies that I bought on DVD. And I would watch it occasionally. And I'm going to say, I don't know, time's so weird now with the pandemic and everything. I'm going to say anywhere from like five to seven or eight years ago, I was right. watching it again. And I'm thinking, oh, this is cool. This, and uh, uh, like a light bulb went off over my head and I was like. I think this is my favorite movie. <laughs> it, it just it, it it just kind of clicked with me that it was there was so much to it, and I think and I would I would really really recommend for anybody listening that has not ever seen it or has not seen it in a long time to revisit it because I think people dismiss it out of hand as oh it's like a cheesy Schwarzenegger fantasy movie right. from the eighties. It is not. No. It is. It Surprisingly is surprisingly not. Yeah, I mean that's I I was walking into it, you know, having done the research behind it first and then stepped into, you know, viewing the film. And I was surprised that 
it is there because a lot of films that came after this or were kind of surrounding this, but this kind of kind of launched a, a little bit of the genre in film. It did. It for sure. Um, and surprisingly, there's a lot more out there with lesser known actors with a balance of lesser known and well-known actors that are much worse because they oh, are yeah. cheesy. And this one is not the least bit cheesy. And the violence was really well, well, well displayed. Yeah. There's it's, it's uber violent. Um, <laughs> it's deep. I think it's, I think it's a lot deeper than it gets credit for. There's a lot going on and we'll discuss. I think I scared Brad. I told him I had like eight pages of notes. Um, <laughs> we'll try and make the podcast not as long as the movie itself, but um, <laughs> so uh, just a couple of things to, uh, before we we start actually going through the um, actual plot and and what's going on, uh, it's an Oliver Stone script, not really. He is credited as one of the writers, but from my understanding, in watching multiple documentaries, including the ones that are included on the DVD, Stone's script was set in a post-apocalyptic future right. with Conan fighting mutants and. Yeah. Almost nothing of his script is in this movie. Right. Um, I, I think there's I maybe a that, yeah. yeah, maybe an action sequence or something that was inspired by it, by it, but nothing from his actual script exists in this, as far as I know. Right. Um, director is uh, John Milius, um, very famous for his personality, so much so that the character of Walter in The Big Lebowski is based on Milius, even down to his appearance. Um, <laughs> yeah. And this is an interesting thing for me because it's one of those separating art from the person type of things because Milius, Milius and I, like probably in person, would not get along. He is an uber like right wing gun nut type, like the opposite <laughs> of what I am. Um, and there's some interesting choices that he makes and statements in this film, but there's also a yin and yang to it that, that I'll get to. So, so, you know, him and it's not as problematic as somebody who's, you know, had uh, – allegations of sexual assault and things like that I, I you know it's not someone that you like that it's just someone who philosophically and politically i i am on the other side of the spectrum of and that's fine right. um so i'm able to to kind of separate those things but um interesting director did um he's done some other cool things um uh, i'm trying to think red dawn i think was one of his the original yep. red dawn um so yeah interesting guy um so the movie itself it starts with a nietzsche quote uh, which is again, and it's the um, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, Nietzsche quote, which is very famous. So there's, and, and this is one of the things with Milius. I think there's a very macho alpha male approach to this movie, but then there are subtler, smaller things that that kind of soften that. And I'll talk about it as we go along. But um, so we get the Nietzsche quote, and then uh. Right off the bat, and, oh, and the voiceover too, sorry, which is a great one, which we find out later is from the wizard Akiro, who they don't use his name in this one, but we know in Conan the Destroyer, his name's Akiro. Right. Um, but he does this great, it's a little bit of a riff of, of the old Robert E. Howard Conan pulp stories and, and how there was an introduction there. Um, but it, it ends with that great, let me tell you of the days of high adventure. And yeah. then those fucking drums kick in, Brad. <laughs> I know. No, you mentioned, you know, to pay close attention to the soundtrack and uh, obviously being a huge soundtrack guy and having not seen the film in quite a long time, it was, I don't think there could have been a more of a stronger intro to the film when you, uh, when you have a, a soundtrack and a percussion coming in like a march, like a, a forced, a forced march, basically. It was incredible. Yeah, it's, it's so good. That, that piece is called the Anvil of Crom and, 
and this is not even me with hyperbole. I think this is one of the greatest original scores of all time. And that's backed up by a lot of other people. Like on Reddit, I'll see, you know, people will say, oh, like, what's the greatest score? And you go into that that Reddit and go into the thread. And, of course, you're going to see Star Wars out there. You see Jaws. You're going to see a ton of great, like, John Williams and things like that. Classics, yeah. Conan the Barbarian score by Basil Polidorus is going to be high up there. People people love and uh, really, really respect this soundtrack, so it's not just me. Um, but yeah, you get right off the bat, you get that great piece. The drums kick in. There's the forging of the sword. Uh, you see young Conan and his parents, um, and uh, it's, it's just a great way to open it. Uh, I, I really, really like that scene. It sets the stage very early on. Um, anything else you want to comment about that? that first no, part? no, I, I think, you know, the the key to any good film is equally not just a, a good plot and good acting and, and dialogue, but the, the soundtrack and just the power of this. I mean, obviously, we, we 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 will be exposed throughout the entire film through very powerful orchestral segments and a lot of the heavy choir based or kind of like not quite chants, but just kind of it. Um, it fits the, the the tempo of the film entirely throughout, which is fantastic. Yeah, and it's it's there's not a lot of movies that have what I would call wall to wall soundtracks. Star Wars is like that, where there are very few quiet moments, right? If if any in Star Wars, where where there's no music, and and Conan the Barbarian is like that too. There are very few times when there's not orchestral or or something going in the background which is and, which and is interesting amazing. that's a really good point when you say wall to wall because i think a lot of films nowadays um will will kind of cherry pick some of the flavor of the of the month uh pop songs or popular songs that are out there but back in the day these types of films in the 80s wall to wall soundtracks that just support every scene um has kind of almost kind of gone by the wayside that that doesn't happen as much anymore where you get of the full orchestral accompaniment in literally every scene um, from start to finish. So I think that's kind of a neat um, historical piece with uh, older films from the 80s, especially because they realized the power of music and, and production to support the uh, the uh, action on the scene. So, yeah, yep, I totally agree. Um, so out of that, we get a great scene between Conan and his father. Um, they're they're talking and his father's explaining him the riddle of steel. And this is really the backbone for the entire film is the riddle of steel and, and Conan kind of figuring out that that maybe what his father has said isn't quite accurate um, because he says, you know, you can't trust men, women, you can't trust beasts. This you can trust. And he points to the sword. And um, so so that's that's the first message that you get as far as Conan's father imbuing him with some you know, some wisdom of the world, but later on Conan has to question that. We'll, we'll get to that. So, um, but a great, it's a great, great little opening piece. Um, good work by, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was in, that guy was in a bunch of movies. I recognize uh, his face. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Clint Eastwood, one of the first Clint Eastwood ones, any which way, but loose, I think he was like his opponent, like the bare knuckle boxing. Right. 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 Um, yeah. That, that guy did a ton of movies, he, he, but he's really good in this scene. Um, and then we get the, um, the the really interesting precursor to 
the raid on Conan's village. Again, another beautiful piece of music. We see the right. standard um, come over the hill, the Thalsa Doom standard of the two snakes over the sun and the moon. Um, and you get a cool, it's a quick cameo. Arnold used a bunch of his uh, weightlifting buddies in this movie. And one of them is this, um, I, I think in the credits he's credited as like Berserker or something, but it's this tattooed dude with a beard and he's bare chested out in the snow. And um, and he like kind of runs up on a rock and, and looks yeah. around real menacingly. That, and was a, like, that was a wild scene, you know, because you weren't ex- I wasn't expecting and I had for, completely forgotten. That was kind of like the like a, a Berserker scout. Yes. And, yeah. And then literally he's on a rock. and He's almost kind of like sniffing the air. Yeah. Like he's like the he's the scout for the group. And then you see. The, just the, the black clad villainy uh, false of doom and his army just coming through over these over these like trees and everything it was insane yeah and the cool thing is that, again it's just a quick cameo from one of arnold's weightlifting buddies but you're like like if you'd never seen the movie before and you see this guy all tatted up and he look he just looks gnarly menacing like, totally menacing yeah, <laughs> yeah you're like oh this guy's gonna be cool in the movie never seen again <laughs> right Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, Arnold's like, I can get you a small pie, but it's going to be <laughs> yeah. very small. It's going to be cold. Just take your shirt off. Right, you're going to run around the woods half naked. <laughs> it's all good, though. <laughs> yeah, we should apologize. We knew the Arnold. You knew the Arnold uh, impressions would come. I mean, it's it, there's nothing you can do. Um, so then we get the raid on Conan's village, and um, it's pretty brutal. They're burning. They're, they're killing everyone. It's... Um, you know, you can see that this is a ruthless group of raiders that have come in here. And um, can we uh, just talk very briefly about that Warhammer guy, the guy who had the huge mallet? Yeah, he's yeah. just crushing people. Like, you know, th- you know, he was, you know, a lot in the background, and then occasionally they would, you know, do a kind of a close up on him of just crushing people. That thing was incredible. I mean, yeah, some he's people had of- battle axes, some people had swords. This dude had a war mallet. That looked like it was like the size of a drum of a of a, a keg of wine, basically. It was just <laughs> wild, and he was swinging it and just you know destroying people. <laughs> yeah, that's um that's Thorgrim, um one of their t- pretty much two of um I'm gonna look up the Wikipedia so I can get everybody's names. That's another one of um Arnold's uh, right. wrestling buddies is um uh, Sven Oli Thorson. Uh, or is it only Sven? I, I can never remember which way his name goes, but um, let me look it up real quick. But he's in it a ton with that and that mallet. You're right. That yeah. mallet is just is is insane. It, it, pure carnage because, you know, you get to see a really kind of gratuitous, you know, uh, axes to the back, you know, uh, swords to the head. But he is just on horseback and and wielding that like nobody's like he's like a like nobody's business. And people yeah. are just trying to go up against it. And he's just like. It, it comes literally like a hammer of the gods, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Sven Oli Thorson uh, plays Thorgrim with the, the giant hammer. Um, you might recognize him from Mallrats. He is uh, LaFors, the um, the security guard in the mall. Um, Kevin Smith's a big Conan the Barbarian fan. So so he put him in that movie. Um, but he did a ton of other stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, another big bodybuilder dude. Um, interesting look to him. Um right. But yeah, they're just they're just wreaking havoc there. Conan's father is starting to turn the tide, and I mean, he just goes out there and starts hacking dudes off of horses. And then um, Thorgrim, who's one of um, Thalsa Doom's other like right hand men, like his one of his high priests, who's played by um, uh, former football player Ben Davidson, uh, played in the NFL for a long time, big dude. 
Um, but it's awesome because Conan's dad starts wrecking house and, and Thorgrim's like, kill that one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just randomly. It's like, that one. <laughs> so he gets an ax in the back and then uh, the, the war hounds just, just chew oh, him was, up. That was just brutal. I mean, there's nothing more. I mean, I was getting, you know, echoes of Cujo there with that. I mean, those war dogs were just terrible. He's on the, he's got a, he's got an ax to the back. He's bleeding out on the ground, huddling in almost like a fetal position beneath like a, a small awning of a, of a, one of the, one of like the, the, um, yeah, they're huts or houses huts, basically. Yeah. And they're just tearing at his arms and there's a couple close ups And that was like brutal as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's killed. And then you see, Conan's mother, uh, defiant, holding the sword that we saw uh, being forged, and she's got Conan there. Um, and we get our first look at um, at Thulsa Doom, James Earl Jones, who yeah. his performance in this, he could easily have said, "Oh, I'm in a cheesy fantasy movie," and just chewed the scenery and been completely over the top. His performance in this is so subtle, and mm-hmm. I think. I think he nails it like a, that cult leader charisma. Oh, at 100 percent that he that like his his countenance throughout the entire film when he's speaking in that kind of almost monotone, you know, entrancing voice. Yeah. But his, and the other thing I'm sure we'll probably talk about just his the mesmerization of his ability through his eyes. It's just un, that that light blue against his dark skin or his kind of almost greenish eyes, almost yeah. snake eyes. Um, was very much entrancing. And but before we go any further, we need to talk about very briefly the bangs on all the characters. <laughs> yes, I uh, had it, forgotten yeah. about all the bangs on the on the villainous cult members and you know, false doom. Even um, I think Arnold, despite his long hair, there were some small cut bangs in the front. Yeah, was, yeah. That was a that was an issue for me. I had forgotten how many men had bangs, and they were not just average bangs. They were bangs that were emo bangs that are cut way too high, um, yeah, almost at like across. scalp level, like right at the hairline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. They made some interesting choices with a lot of stuff, and actually, it really did. That that first introduction to him, not only his lieutenants, but Thulsa mm-hmm. uh, Doom himself. If you take a look at the armor. The armor and everything, all the detail that they put in is phenomenal. Thulsa Doom's like got like snake head uh, shoulder pauldrons. Um, the front of his armor is all like snakes intertwined. Yeah, the chest plate was just all in, in, in emblazoned in snake related stuff. Yeah, it's they're they're really really nice. The the armor and and all of the all the whoever did all the costuming and everything really did a fantastic job because again. Could have mailed it in on a lot of that stuff. Could have gone real oh, simple. They, right. And I think there's a lot of films nowadays with larger casts and so forth where they – the detail – you just – they more – the detail is not as uh, defined, and they can kind of get away with that for bigger budget films I think these days. Whereas that – because the close-ups were I think were important in this film in on many occasions to get the – the close-up of the armor, the facial, you know, the, the the facial expressions of characters. So they did a really good job, I think, of um, those both components, especially on the close-up portion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so we do get that. You mentioned um, Thulsa Doom's gaze, and in yeah. the commentary track, uh, John Mill, <clears throat> excuse me, Millius talks about the decision to give James Earl Jones those lighter colored contacts. He wanted Doom to look like a race that had died out. 
that um, was a little bit different from anything you had seen. You mentioned, you know, obviously James Earl Jones, James Earl Jones, African-American actor, um, and they gave him these piercing blue eyes. Um, so, yeah, the, the goal there was to make it look like someone who um, came from kind of a, an exotic race that was no longer around. Right. But we get that first impression that, OK, maybe he's got some powers here because he pretty much hypnotizes Conan's mother. Right. And then turns and walks away and then suddenly turns around and just beheads her. <laughs> beheads and, her. <laughs> and it's a great way the scene is done because as violent as the movie is, it could have just been a really gory thing. But instead they show it from Conan's angle where you kind of see in off to the side in frame the head fall and right. her body falls away from him. And he just is left there looking at his empty hand where he was just right. holding his mother's hand a minute ago. So I think the way that that was done was was really well done, really powerful. And they, and especially that because they kind of almost did that in slow motion with with the that you see the head fall in front of him, but it's not it's nondescript, so you don't really see blood and gore. You just yeah. but you, you can tell that a, a de- decapitation beheading just happened. And then as the mother kind of falls off out of picture, out of frame, you know her hand uh, and his hand are kind of released. And like you said, the fact that he's just kind of holding it there, and I think that almost kind of sets the tone for the story or the fire that burns in him of vengeance because uh, he's holding the last year thing uh, in his in his world after he's just seen his entire village slaughtered and he sees that uh, you know the last protector in his life taken from him yep yep great point uh, little little side note that I don't think I noticed until I had watched the movie a bunch of times but as the children, of the the children are spared from this um, village and are taken away in slavery. As they're being led out of the village, both Conan's mother's and father's heads are on a pike on the um, as they're led out. Um, I did you can see that. Yeah, you can very <laughs> very clearly see who it is. Um, so yeah, just an, an interesting detail. Um, Conan is led to the Wheel of Pain, um, which. Yeah. I, I kind of like this as a plot device for showing how Conan being enslaved could still develop physically. And yes, 100%. I understand. Yep. Yeah, I understand. Oh, we'd have to have good meals and things like that. And he's probably not getting that. But as a plot contrivance to get <clears> him to the bulky Arnold that we know, it's a pretty good thing where he's, you know, literally out there pushing this wheel, which who knows what it even does. You know, right. I was trying to that. figure that out because, I mean, it didn't appear that it was like a grist mill or anything where yeah. they're like producing, you know, grains or anything like that. It just hit them going in a very large circle and over and over and over again. And like you said, great uh, plot device to kind of build on. His growth. And I think they phased out. They showed the young him with yes. many people pushing. Yep. Then they showed a kind of a, almost a teenager, teenager or like yeah. someone in their 20s pushing. But there's also still fewer people. And then by the end of it, it was fascinating. He's literally the only person pushing the wheel of pain. Yeah. <laughs> and, and at that point, you know, he's bulked up beyond belief at, the, at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, too, to note that um – Arnold. Uh, so Ron Cobb, who was, um, I think, the set designer, he did a, he did a bunch of stuff on the movie. He was at Dragon Con one year and he did a Q&A on Conan. And uh, and I went and he said that uh, when Schwarzenegger came in at first, because he he, had, he was tied to the movie for quite a while. He had signed on to do it. He um he almost physically couldn't wield the sword. His arms were too big. So and they, <laughs> they and they realized they were like, oh, this is a problem. So Arnold's like, give me two weeks. And apparently he came back two weeks later and his his physique had he had altered his 
regiment and and he had kind of just done whatever he needed to do to, to make it so he could actually wield the sword. That's incredible. He was too. I didn't. That's that's a point that I didn't I didn't pick up on. But I could t- you could totally see that because his size and girth and width is just incredible at, at that stage in the early 80s. But that's a that's a sweet po- sweet talking point. He was too big to wield the sword. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the other great things, when we get that reveal, when, as you were saying, you know, it, it dwindles down to where it's just him pushing the wheel. And then you see his head down with the long hair and he puts his head up and suddenly it's Conan, um, you know, as, as an adult, it's Arnold. I, I've seen so many people um, either online or Reddit or a bunch of different places say, oh, my God, that is a horrible wig. That's Arnold's hair. Arnold yeah. grew- Arnold grew that out. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe it's just weird seeing him with long hair, but that's actually Arnold's hair. They were um, probably trying to compare it to, obviously, like I think, uh, you know, Tulsa Dooms. Yeah, Depp, James Earl so Jones had clearly a wig, and one. I think yeah. maybe some of the other characters may have had extensions or whatnot. But, yeah, I, I, I had the, the exact same thought when I saw that. It's like, all right, based on everyone else we've seen in the last <laughs> 10 minutes of the film, is this a wig? No, that's no, that's his actual yeah. hair. <laughs> yeah, he grew it out. Um so he is um, uh, we see uh, someone come and essentially purchase him and right. um, take him away to the fighting pits. And it's a, the fighting pit scene is really cool. because You get a great action montage, but also just Arnold or Conan having been there and not known anything you know, right. after the destruction of his um, village, except that the Wheel of Pain, and and he has no idea what's going to happen, and they throw him in the pit, and you got that crazed guy with like the filed down, sharpened teeth who insane, yeah, <laughs> bites into yeah. his neck. Yeah, he had like a built-in weapon. Not only was he kind of more, <laughs> you know, in gladiator, you know, he had a little bit more armor, you know, and leathers on than than um, Conan did. But, you know, he's got his the whatever the weapon was at the time, but also his teeth. And that was, you know, I'm, you could just tell from the evil smile from across the pit that that is going to be a uh, a facet to his attack strategy. And exactly. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. he And, and Conan has no idea what's happening. And suddenly he's being bit in the neck. So that first fight is so brutal and it's just pure animal instinct and survival from Conan that he just right. he he does what he can which is essentially kind of bends his arm back and and yeah. smashes on it until he breaks it and right. um gets that first victory and and you know the they hand him the standard like to you know yep. like the victory standard and victory he's standard, you, yeah. you see him look up and he's like so confused about there's all these people around shouting and cheering right. so but then you get that fantastic montage with the cool weapons that he's got in he's got like the the like fit uh fists like blade fists blade fists totally yeah. blade fists he's got gauntlets that have a small blade on the front and then one in the elbow and you actually see him like driving yeah. it to a dude's neck i mean the 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 pit fighter montage again an excellent plot device to show conan developing as a warrior because he has to or die so and then you see him kind of get to a point in the montage where he's he's accepting it and now he's like the big champion and everyone likes him and he's you know he's he's kind of thrilling at the um all the accolades that he's reveling in the the victory and that's a really good point because the, the first part of that montage of the yeah, the violence was the gratuitous violence was definitely there, but you were showing him struggling against the first couple of opponents. But then, as the weapons increased and his skill increased, his confidence clearly was increasing, and he was besting all his opponents. And to the point where, at the end of that that montage, he 
you you show a, a almost a full blown warrior who is ready to combat against anything. He's ready for any any potential opposition. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, it's it's great. It's really well done. Uh, I want to mention William Smith. That's who plays Conan's father. I want to get his name in there because he um he does do a nice job with that opening scene. Um, so then uh we see too that he's not only is he fighting in the pits, but because he's become so valuable that he is being trained. We see him working with a sword master. We see that he's been taught to read and write, although presumably at his age in the village, assuming they had anything like that and where he was from, he may have already had some uh, experience with that. And then of course he is quote unquote bred to the finest stock when they saw that scene. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, um, they handled that. They handled that fairly delicately, I think, and I think it, so. which, which was good. It wasn't over the top. I I had forgotten, literally, had forgotten about that scene. But when they, you know, brought her into the ca- uh, into kind of the the pen, Conan's cage, essentially Conan's cage, basically, which was adorned with you know some creature comforts. There were some pillows, so he wasn't treated. I, I, I think too, as his victory and and fame rose he kept getting slightly more and more better accommodations and things uh, you know given to him so certainly his little cage uh was well adorned with things that made it comfortable but yeah i think when they brought in the other woman slave uh clearly way thin compared to arnold's size they did a good job of uh you know not going over the top with that with that with the sex scene yeah and he's you can see he's trying to be somewhat delicate he wraps her and covers her in um you know in one of his um animal skins or whatever and and um i think that's a like a noble daughter because he i think they're because i think that's what they're saying bred to the finest stock i think they're saying okay so she looked really meek and obviously and i but also looking if she if he's also kind of in a barbarian styled setting which he was for the fighting pits and the camps that he was being held in that was okay that that makes complete sense more of a, a barbaric looking right. produce me a strong offspring you know here, here's my yes. dog type of thing I, that that's how i interpret it um and then we are about 25 minutes into the movie when we actually hear arnold speak for the first time and then of course it's one of the most <laughs> iconic lines uh in the entire movie right you know when he's asked what is best in life um so um but again you can see how he's revered he's in with all these generals and someone comes in and says, oh, we've won again, you know, another victory. And um, so it's an interesting it's interesting how they set it up where he's still enslaved, but he is very much respected. Right. Brought in. And that round table where he's sitting with the generals is also intriguing, too, because um, I, w- I also pay very close attention to the attire throughout the entire film. And, yes, we've seen some of the, the you know, we saw Thulsa Doom's. Um, legion of fighters clad in all black and clearly that's a a good uh, plot device to show that that those are going to be the evil characters in the film but then in in this tense scene where they're sitting around a table you get to see some actual barbarian mongols which i thought and at the end of the film i was watching you know the the end credits to see and they actually use the term mongol so mongolian style barbarians kind of almost genghis khan were sitting at this table which is cool yeah yep i i think so um yeah so then we see um we don't really get a a reasoning but um i think his name is veneer is the the one who has um uh taken um conan under his wing the one who bought him from the wheel of pain i'm not not sure i'm not even sure if he's named um but um 
for whatever reason, he decides that he can't keep Conan chained any longer. And he, in the middle of the night, he he sets him free, um, literally hacks his chains and tells him to go. Uh, and Conan, very confused because this is all he's known for the last ten years or so, um, is is being a slave. So he's he doesn't know what is happening here, but he takes he takes the opportunity. Right. And, Yep, and, and, and bolts into off. the night. <laughs> and it's funny because he's set free, and then immediately you can see that things are not necessarily better. He is being chased by wild dogs. Wild dogs. <laughs> it's, after the opening uh, kill scenes of you know of his dad being you know t- t- torn to shreds, now he's running across an open plain um, with a pack of rabid wild dogs chasing him down, like moving in very fast. Yeah, there's a great outtake on the DVD um, uh, in the like the extras and bloopers and stuff where because uh, there's like this rock crypt that Conan right. ends up in and he climbs up it to get away from the dogs. <laughs> there's a take where he doesn't quite make it and the dogs pull him down <laughs> and he falls on the other side of it. So you can't see him. But all you hear are the dogs snarling and Arnold going, ow, 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 ow. <laughs> phenomenal it's fantastic where the dog trainers why are the dogs biting me <laughs> it's so good um but um so in the in the movie in the actual movie he he kind of falls into this crypt um and there's D vibes oh. throughout this movie but this the scene in the crypt is pure dungeons and dragons 100 percent. i mean how many times have we played ourselves into a crypt of similar accord with you know, ancient warriors, you know, uh, you know he makes a fire and a torch. Yes. Yep. And he's exploring the tomb. We, yep. Yeah. It's, it's, um, and it's a, it's an important scene because he finds a sword there and it, and it's kind of coated in, um, sort of, sort of an oxidation that he's able to, to literally smash off. Right. Um, and suddenly he's got a really good sword, but one of the things that's interesting, and I don't think I noticed this for a long time either they don't establish very well a sense of scale but if you look when arnold uh, uh, conan takes the um like the the skeleton the giant skeleton sitting on this throne right kind of has his hand on the on the pommel of the sword right uh when conan lifts that up the hand is much bigger than, than oh it's conan. massive yeah no i yeah. never noticed that too but yeah i mean clearly it's like a giant a giant right exactly um so that's really cool uh and and it gives you um that gives him a weapon. Now he's now he's got a weapon, and he also it's got that cool part where the he takes the sword and he you know smashes the rust off it and um and sees that it's it's a good blade and that he's gonna he's gonna be able to to do something with this. And yeah. then the the head of the skeleton and the um the the big crown or um helmet that it's wearing falls and kind right. of startles Conan and he and he says Crom. Yes. Um, which yeah. I don't I don't think is meant to indicate that this was Crom's burial ground, but I think that he's saying. Krom has provided me with this. Yeah, as a god has provided, you know, uh, a devout warrior with an offering. Yeah, and then we get that next, the the great thing that comes next is we see him come up out of the crypt, takes the sword, slashes the chains that are still at his um at his legs. <laughs> and uh and then the next time we see him, he's wearing the pelts of the dogs that were chasing right, him. Right. Yeah, right. No, cuz that that's a that's a really good point because yeah, no, cuz yeah, it literally cuts to him you know, a few moments later after he's kind of freed himself from, from the cavern. And then, yeah, cause he was not wearing, he was barely wearing any clothes to begin with. Cause when he was running ac- across the plane away from the wild dogs, 
you know, I think he dropped part of whatever he had on him and or or right when he got to the rock formation tomb. And then, yeah, that was good. So we because he actually looks down at the dogs and then the next scene is cut to him wearing <laughs> yeah. the dogs. Yeah, it's subtle. There's no there's no battle scene or anything. You just have to notice that he's that next time it's like, oh, all right. Yeah, those are new. That's those what happened are new. to those six animals. <laughs> yeah. I took them out. <laughs> so um, next up, he meets with the um, the witch um, yeah. who uh, tells him that he needs to seek out the, the town of Zamora. And uh, we get the cool thing where, where, you know, she's like, what do you seek? And he's like, two snakes coming together for a standard <laughs> shield. Um, so the witch tells him there will be a price to pay, um, but that he will someday be a king by his own hand. So cool, like um, fortune telling and right, and foreshadowing. Kind of, of, yeah. Yeah. And you can see that they, there's something a little off about the witch when, you know, when Do you first, think there's something off because they, <laughs> I, 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 we certainly find out. Yeah, but. I had forgotten about how off that yeah, your 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 view is on that, because, yeah, that was something. <laughs> yeah, she she essentially they're they're having sex and uh, she essentially goes all demon on him. She's got like um kind of like uh, snake eyes and and fangs and her um, fangs. So, yeah, it was that was disturbing. And then yeah, when when they're when they're mid coitus, he's trying to push her off and she wraps her legs around his legs and kind of and obviously he's clearly still inside her and he's and she's grappling with him yeah, yeah. and it's it's disturbing because you know she's obviously you know i call it vamping out because she yeah. literally turned and she's starting to wail and moan and and become go from a witch into a demon and uh yeah and he's having difficulty you know separating himself from her literally and figuratively yeah, and yet you'll wonder if is she trying to conceive some sort of demon hybrid or what is right. what is actually her plan here? But he is able to to throw her off and pretty much through the fire. Through the and, fire was incredible. <laughs> yeah, and then she kind of essentially turns into a fireball and kind of right. cackles and, and um speeds away into the night. Right. Um, which gives him another instance to say Crom. Yeah. <laughs> and that that Crom, the other Crom was like, oh thanks, this Crom was right. Like, this was like, why would you do this to me? <laughs> so um but he still uh, apparently spends the night because you see him coming out then th- you know right, the next morning like nothing is like nobody's business yep. i got a good sleep and a good sex <laughs> <laughs> so he um comes out and then we get the introduction to subatai who is um subatai is fantastic played by jerry lopez who was a like a pro surfer um and a friend of the directors apparently though just pure California surfer speak dudes. So they dubbed his voice. Um, I'm not even sure who dubs his voice, um, but, um, but it's done well because I didn't know for a long time, like for a long time, I didn't know that wasn't his real voice. So, so they do a good job with it. Um, but you get a great introduction. He's chained up out there, right. apparently by the witch, right? Just outside mm-hmm. the house. And, um, and there's that great line where, you know, um, Conan's like, who are you? And he he says, I'm Subutai, you know, thief ranger. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, it's like, what are you doing out here? And he's like, dinner for wolves. (laughs) Right. Oh, that was kind of, I think, the first bit of, you know, actual spoken word comedy. Because, yeah, yeah, you know, that, you know, he's chained up. And and that was my first assessment was thinking of, um, you know, almost kind of like the Hansel and Gretel, the witch thing, maybe tying because, you know, they were – Kids were obviously used to be food for the witch in her in her in her big cauldron, and obviously we learned that she this woman that you know Arnold just defeated was a witch turned into a demon. 
that she would, you know, have this random, you know, archer thief chained up outside as potential food for herself or, like you said, like yeah. the, 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 roaming, the roving wolves. Yeah, so – and you get – um. You get this a little later with with Akira the Wizard too, but uh, Conan is instantly um, trusting and accepting. He's like, this person is in a, is in a bad situation. Right. I could use I could use a traveling companion. So they're um, you know fast friends. And you get a, a what I think is is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. You see Conan and Subutai. You know, it's it's dark. They're around a fire. They're eating some game that they've killed, right. and they're having a conversation. This is a great – again, the, the score here in the entire movie is phenomenal, but the score in the background of this scene is so good, and it's a nice humanizing moment between the two of them where they're discussing their gods and who they worship. Right. And, um, you know, Conan's only known Krom, so he thinks – obviously he thinks Krom is the best. And then, you know, Subutai says, you know – you know, my God is the everlasting sky. Your God right. lives beneath him. And you mm-hmm. can see Conan kind of for the first time maybe questioning things. He's like, he's like, huh. huh. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great scene. I, no, I love like, that scene his, with those two. His expression basically, yeah, they did a good, really good job of him just like suddenly realizing, wait, there's more than one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe everything I've been taught isn't isn't all there is out it's there. It's factual, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, great scene. I love that. And it um, it establishes quickly a bond between them um, and a, and a trust and that they can, you know, they're, they're, they're having discussions They're you know, it's something more important than just, just surviving and, and traveling. They're, um, they're learning about each other, which is, which right. is really cool. Uh, then we get a great travel montage as they're, they're trying to find more information on the snake cult. Um, you know, you see them in town. This had a very D and D vibe to it. You oh my see God. Them, yeah, they're D&D, in town. It also had, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings Bakshi, yep. you know, them running, you know, when they're ch- when, you know, when um, uh, Gimli um, and the 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 Fellowship efforts broken are running across the plains trying yep. to tr- you know track down Marion like Pippin. Yep. It's very much they're running across all these plains. It was fantastic. I totally got that vibe. Yep, and it, you see them in towns like like Conan's trying food and and they're they're examining weapons. Um, they even, they even get some some drugs, which is one right. of my favorite parts where they're where he's like uh and that's actually ron cobb the the designer that i that i uh said was at dragon con he actually plays the um that um that peddler there and he's like you know and he's kind of quietly looks around and he shows him this yeah. little like he's like he's like he's like you know black Lotus, right. the best CG and the best and um i i just love the the interaction there because subatai says that better not be haga and he's like i would sell haga to a slayer such as you right right, right. <laughs> so it's a it's a great um and, the, a, and that's and that's a good point because you clearly see in just right moments afterwards they've clearly taken the drug they're kind of being a little rowdy yeah. and you know you know rambunctious walking down Griffin, the stairwell yeah. and then the, you know the camel punching scene was was <laughs> was awesome because I'm not even clear because the camel took a few seconds you know Arnold punches it right in the face or Conan rather punches it right in the face it stands there and then you see it tip over I'm like okay yeah. was that a prop or did he actually punch a camel it kind of wobbles it looks like it was just yeah. a trained camel that oh, that knows how to, to like, go down yeah it's but it was cool. good nonetheless because they clearly yeah. are are high and wasted and uh, full of revelry and he sees the camel and just like oh punches it right <laughs> out <laughs> yeah and then Subutai has a great line he says you're too big to be a thief <laughs> <laughs> But the other, the other good thing that you get within the the scene where they where they buy the black lotus too is you get a little bit of exposition too where he talks about the the temp, the snake cult you know and the right. uh, cult of Set and the, yes. um, 
So that's really cool. Um, you also get the great scene when they're walking through and they're high where um, it's one of my favorite lines in the movie. Um, and it's a quick throwaway one, but it's pretty great. They're walking down the stairs and there's like these beggar women there. And, and one of them says a pittance to protect you from evil. And Subutai says, I am evil. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another bit of his humor coming out. It, and another point uh, right around that scene when right before they got the or they procured the the black lotus when the 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 vendor is giving them kind of a history um, or a little bit of information, it was kind of ominous because they they did pan over to the the snake temple that yeah. or the or, or the 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 whatever it was it like yeah yeah the tower and he you know and he says yeah it's kind of almost like the cult the snake cult has spread across the land yeah. so he kind of gives. That what, what, what cults do, they basically pull in members and then they expand very rapidly. And, and you get a sense that the, the snake cult is has become a very uh, you know, dark presence in the land at that at that point. Yes. Yep, for sure. Uh, then we see that uh, Conan and Subutai are going to sneak into the Tower of the Serpent, presumably still tripping their asses off. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, because that one person it doesn't uh, seem like well, time, yeah. any time has passed. Right, right. It's like, OK, you guys are still hallucinating and you've got to go. Yep. We're going to go invade the tower and, and explore. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> Uh, then we get the great introduction to Valeria, uh, yeah. played by Sandal Bergman, who um, I really like her casting in this because while obviously an attractive woman, not a traditional Hollywood look to her. Um, right. But she was cast because she was a dancer, um, and I believe John Milius had seen her as a as a background dancer in All That Jazz, and so her he thought her body movement, her shape, her her ability to move her body would transition to um, you know this Valkyrie, this this sword wielding um, kick ass warrior woman, right. and I, I think I think she does a great job. She'd never had like any speaking parts or anything like that prior to that, and. Um, I think she does a really, really good job in this. And so you get a cool um, intro where she's the thing. I'll talk about this a little more later, but she is never once a damsel in distress. She, the, she even challenges them right off the bat. The, she sees them, she's like, she's like, she's like, you didn't even have rope. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And, and because in that clearly nodding back to the fact that and whether it was done intentionally or not, she recognizes that they're not going to be able to scale into the tower and people who are out of their mind on drugs are not always making the best decisions. So that kind of ties in nicely that she's sober, realizes they're not guards, she's not a guard, but they're not capable of carrying out this this little mission that they're going to try to go on. So <laughs> yeah, she even she even calls them two fools who laugh at death. So she's she pegs them right away. But she's right. also like, all right, you know, stoned help is better than no help at right. all. Right, so. than none, than none at all. <laughs> Uh, and then we get another very D&D scene as they're scaling the tower. You see Subutai's using daggers and actually yes. like climbing up because there's like sort of it's meant to, I think, be reminiscent of a snake and a serpent, the tower itself. So there's like scales and like there's actual texture to it that he's kind of right. making his way up. And we see Valeria and Conan um, going up the rope. Um, and then so inside the tower, we learn that that Rexor, who we saw before, um is kind of the the second in command to doom his his high priest right. um yep. and we see sort of a ceremony that's taking place there with a, a a sacrifice that's going to be given to this giant snake that's at the bottom of the temple um in the um in a, in a big pit um and again this feels sort of like a while not on the level of what false doom did like physically with his eyes hypnotizing right. conan's uh mother 
this does feel like a sort of hypnotism and maybe she's been given some something to drink or something but this this woman who's going to be a sacrifice to the snake seems to be in some sort of hypnotic trance um yes, kind definitely. of your head swaying and um so again super D scene like conan and subatai are down in the bottom they right. you know they see the giant snake and they're like all right let's not wake this thing up right so they're, they're <laughs> quiet talking, when we say giant snake let's you know for the viewers or like the listeners at least i mean this thing is massive this thing is like a uh like a um i don't know like size wise it's it's you know it's thick, you as, a, thick as a tree like yeah, a, like the tree trunk is it's massive it's not that it, it makes you know uh large snakes seem really small because yeah, it's, it's probably 30 40 feet long we don't re- ever really enormous. get to see a, a full but yeah it's it's huge and it, it's sleeping like the head is bigger than you know than arnold's head like it's right. a, it's a massive creature um cool part where there, there's gems and stuff and you can see like subatai opens up his his tunic and just pours a big cup full of gems in so he's yes. got like pockets again very <laughs> all these little pockets yeah <laughs> yeah so they're um you know they're they're quietly doing that and um meanwhile you do see that that Conan's sweat drips on the snake and then its eye opens. So it does awaken, but you don't, they don't know that. And Subutai actually starts to leave. There's like a little tunnel. Um, so, um, but the, um, the snake does wake up. And what I love about this is that the snake is clearly a physical thing that they constructed yeah. and it doesn't quite look a hundred percent organic, but I would a thousand percent rather have this than CGI that they would. One hundred percent agree. Yeah, I mean, it, it it definitely you know a large prop, but at the same point, thank God CGI did not exist back in the day because that that it would have ruined the moment because they did a really good job of like I think the detail of the scales of the snake because they zoomed in a couple times, especially on the it head of the great. snake. It looked fantastic. Yeah, it looks great, and there's a physical because it's actually there. There's a weight to it. Like when right. when Conan is is struggling with it, there's a you know it, it just doesn't come across the same if it was CGI. There's an actual right. physical component to it that I think you lose, and so it's um um it's really cool. And I don't know how they did it, but like there's it's a it's a great little scene. I wish it was a little longer, and I'm sure the limitations of the you know the practical snake were, you know, somewhat um determining how much they could do with it. But but Subutai discovers sees the Conan's fighting and goes back in to the pit area and uh there's an awesome thing where he real quickly shoots two arrows and and pins the snake's head to the wall yes which is super cool and apparently according to milius in the um the director in the uh, commentary that those arrows had to be fired and like to make it work so so it was fairly close range and they all like practice and it was actually milius who was the best and arnold was he was he was the one arnold trusted to actually do it because it's it's zipping right by arnold's head (laughs) so um so Subutai sinks two arrows and kind of pins it, which is really cool. And then Conan gets free, takes out his sword, and he hacks it. And again, I don't know how they did this, but it looks phenomenal when he cuts the head off because you, yeah. you can see the insides and yeah, blood. Yeah, the blood. I mean, and the animal and the snake itself is clearly struggling to try to stay alive, but obviously it's yeah. pinned. And you know, and he's gouging up through the throat area. Yeah, he, yeah, he drives the, the, the short sword through the yeah, like, through the just, bottom. Yeah, of the, the brutality of that kill scene was awesome <laughs> yeah yeah it looks phenomenal yeah that's how he kind of gets it you're right he i forgot about that where he drives like a short sword up through yep. literally through from underneath up through the top of its yeah. head and then that's how he holds it against the wall and Subutai pins it there with the arrows yeah it's a great it, it looks cool and again pure dungeons and dragons it's um <laughs> it's great um so 
you know, they're quickly discovered because the the sacrificial uh, virgin or whatever, presumably, she drops into the pit and starts to scream because there's a beheaded snake. Right, right. She falls 50 feet and her biggest concern is not broken legs. It's <laughs> yeah. a beheaded large snake that she was going to be offered to. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so they're discovered. Um, meanwhile, uh, Valeria has been kind of walking around up top. Don't really show a ton of what she's doing. She ends up in one of the priestess's robes to kind of blend right. in, but we don't really see her steal anything. But um, they're discovered. They all escape and, you know, go back up the, the chains to the um, to the upper part. And then um, uh, a pretty cool little escape where they jump into this giant fountain at the bottom yes. from the top of the uh, tower. So that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they do something not not real bright. They uh, they apparently stay in the same town and start to spread about the wealth that they've just stolen. Right. I mean, it, like how many how many times have we seen really good films like you know, that have come way after this, like mafioso films and whatnot, where they say you got to be good about how you spend your money. Don't spend <laughs> your money on big things. You don't want to be obvious. And they do exactly what they shouldn't do. Uh, people who have just pillaged, they make their presence very known very quickly to the the powers that be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just pure debauchery. Um, <laughs> then you get a nice scene with um Conan and Valeria together, having a spending the night together. You can see they rent like a like a big um, you know, uh, hut or whatever, and um, spend money on. They've got food and wine and things like that. And, yeah, it's it's a nice scene with them. Um. Not overly gratuitous, but there is a little bit of, you know, that to it. But but you also see them connecting, too, um, right. which I think is important because there's not a ton of time. Obviously, they've, they've just met. Um, right. But they're for whatever her past is, which they don't really ever get into. Um, you can sense that there's a kindred spirit um, aspect to it and, and that they connect very quickly, not just on a physical sense. Um, but they, they take time within this montage to show sort of quieter moments with them as well. So I really like yeah. how that's done because again, it's not, there's not a ton of time to work with, but you can, you can believe their connection. And I think right. that helps a lot. And there's also not a lot throughout the entire film because there's a lot of action scenes and sequences. There's not a lot of downtime. So yeah, that was right. kind of a, a nice, uh, kind of break in the action if you will uh to show a connection between two of the main characters yeah uh and then conan has the eye of the serpent made into a uh, a necklace for valeria and you can see they're still they're still throwing the money about there you know it's total debauchery <laughs> and you know conan falls asleep in the in the big bowl of soup because they're they're probably <laughs> drugged out again and yep. um and then they're 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 confronted by King Osric's men, purportedly, you know, or assumedly the, you know, the king of of, um, I I, I don't even know if it's stated if this is actually I don't Zamora. Think it's either it's they just wound up in that that village, which obviously is a much larger that were that at least where they the part that they're in is part of a larger kingdom. Yeah, so they're they're brought before King Osric, who's played by the uh, awesome Max von Sydow. Oh yeah, he's 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 great and everything. Um. This is a this is a really good scene and I, I it's a nice it's nice that they have a good actor like Max von Sydow to to pull this off because he's got some really important dialogue and some great dialogue that he delivers here um and also you get another little bit of humor where he's talking about you know you've you um uh you know Rexor has come to me and said that you stole stuff and this is this is outrageous and then he says I salute you <laughs> right so <laughs> You get it, get a little, um, and and it catches Conan and Valeria off guard, and then Subutai's brought in. They're, at first, they're like, he's like, "Where's your other companion?" They're like, "Ah, oh, the lions ate him," <laughs> and, and they bring him in. Um, so that's pretty great, and we get a, you get a great 
speech from Osric about the cult and how it spread and now his daughter has joined right. and is is apparently uh betrothed to to Thulsa Doom right and um so and he's got a great I I can't remember the entire thing word for word but he's got that great little part of his speech where he says you know there comes a time when gold loses its luster the throne room becomes a tomb and the only thing left is a is a father's love for his child so right Great, great little part there from Osric, and it gives you – now it's like, okay, now they have a quest. Go right. go get his daughter back. Another, another level of D&D uh, now thrown in. Yeah, basically. Yep. So the two quest quests giver. are afoot. Rescue, <laughs> rescue my daughter and also uh, you know, save the land from this menace, basically, which has been uh, a w- amazing premise of any of these action-adventure, sword-and-sorcery-styled films. There's always that co- those components, which makes it that much more you know, of, of a good watch. Yeah, for sure. So then we get another nice scene of Conan and Valeria discussing it. She's and and again, really good character building without a whole lot going on here. She says we have more now than we've ever had. We have and not just riches and treasure, but each other because Osric gives them like literal handfuls of rubies and right, says, take yes. it all enough to become kings yourself. Right. So Valeria's saying we have so much. We don't even need to go get this girl. Right. We can we can go and go have our lives together because right now we have more than we've ever had. But um, but Conan, he can't he can't leave the vengeance behind. No, <laughs> no, he cannot. Yeah. So Valeria wakes up and he's gone uh, and uh, we see that he's gone, gone solo searching for um, Doom's cult. And I like that there's no. It's not like a uh, in a video game where there's like an axe on the map where you've got to go. Conan doesn't quite know where he's supposed exactly. to go. Exactly. You see him finding he interacts with the cult, um, uh, you know, in different places, and they're kind of sending him. And this is this is getting back to John Milius's right wing, um, like pro gun, pro war stuff. He portrays Doom's cult as very much hippies and flower children, um, which Fair he, so. which, yeah, yeah, he, he does not he does not care for. Um, and there's even the the you know they tell him to throw down his sword and return to the earth and then the the narrator Akiro has a, it's a great line he's like, he's like he's like time enough for the earth when you're in the grave so um <laughs> so um but he's he's finding his way uh and then he finds the burial mounds the big like uh, sort of like stonehenge area which is where the wizard Akiro lives right um and um you get a great intro to him where he uh, uh, tries to portray himself as menacing. He's like, I'm a wizard, mind you. And, right. um, you know, and, and Conan just kind of laughs at him. And, um, and then Akira laughs back and they, you can see it's another, it's a good meeting because they're, they just instantly, it's like, okay, all right. We're, yeah, a, a kinship we're is formed and they're, they're not a threat to one another, which is good because they know, you know, now they're adding another person to their, again, fellowship, if you will, which is great. Yeah, the, yep. They're, they're building the D and D party. Um, so they share a meal together there at Akira's. Um, you get a little bit more, uh exposition about not only Thulsa Doom but also about the the mounds and there was like a great war there and you know um uh, Akira says the you know sometimes the dead sing to him and so it's a there's a cool it's a cool little thing you 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 know figure out why is it that he's here this is sort of a sacred place so he and right. he feels he feels safe here so um um so yeah you get a good um good intro to to the wizard there uh, Conan makes his way to Doom's cult camp, so he actually he gets to the Mountain of Power. Um, we see him um, when there essentially all these wannabe cultists are waiting, and then finally out of the mountain come the priests and they start handing out the robes and everything. Um, 
and then Conan um, beats up one of the the higher priests and takes his robes. Right. Uh, and again, he's not super smart about how he's doing things. He's infiltrating. He's wearing these robes, and he's got still got that giant um, uh, like jade uh, of the the two snakes emblem of yes. Cult of Doom that he stole from the inside the the snake pit. The snake pit. Um, and he's just showing everybody, and it's right. like, he's, it's, he's like he's overselling himself to be a, to be a member of the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's even genuflecting. It, and, it kind of makes you wonder why. Uh, maybe it was uh, again a plot building device to make him stand out amongst the people who are, who are more being discreet as cult members. That oh, the outsider has revealed himself. Uh, maybe that was why they did. It. But yeah, he that's would be a second time in less than probably a half hour where they've made their presence known in the wrong possible way because they're going up against opposition. You don't technically do that. You try to want to blend in, be, you know, innocuous, be in the background. And yet he's, you know, look at this, you know, he's just yeah, showing yeah, himself I off. I've got this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you get a really nice scene with where you can see doom's charisma as a cult leader, as he's addressing, you know, presumably the, the new followers that have, that have just been welcomed in. And it's great. And again, James Earl Jones, just very, understated but charismatic and just it, it's it's i think it does a nice job of establishing okay i can i can get why this person can hold sway over these people right so um uh and, and again conan gets himself too close to the action <laughs> ends up right up on the steps pretty much below <laughs> Thulsa doom and he he loses the the jade um snake emblem one of the one of the guards takes it when he shows it and and then you immediately see and again it's it's nicely done because it's not front and center it's not it's all done in the background but you see that guard go to others and show it and point to conan so it's like in the background meanwhile he's sitting and and listening to false doom in the background they're they're already knowing that he's out of place right exactly (laughs) so he gets he gets grabbed um by a big uh group of the guards and uh, he's he's beaten up and roughed up, and then by uh, by Thorgrim and Rexor, and you know he's he's in pretty bad shape. And then Thulsa Doom comes in, um, and and again this I think this scene is my favorite for James Earl Jones' performance because not to belabor it, but he could have been so over the top with this, and he's incredibly subtle and and understated in this scene about talking about like. You know, Conan says, you killed my my parents and all. And he says, and to Thulsa Doom, he's like, yeah, you know, when I was younger, I thought steel was the answer. That was probably when I was younger. You know, it's like, no, oh, yeah, yep, that's something that happened. <laughs> Super nonchalant about, yeah, it's like, what happens in life, basically. And and that's not what someone who's, you know, trying to exact vengeance wants to hear being brushed off. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and then you get Thulsa Doom giving Conan this thing that really challenges the riddle of steel. He, and he says, he says, steel isn't strong, boy, flesh is stronger. And he, he says, look, let me show you that girl. And so he points and there's like one of his followers up on the, like up on a mountain cliff. And she, he, he says, come to me, my child. And she literally throws herself to her death. Right. And he's like, that is strength, boy, that right. is power. You know, what is steel compared to the hand that wields it? Right. So just a great scene that, that again, it challenges what, conan has been taught that that having you know having a a a strong sword and um you know trusting in in that in your strength and your ability in combat is is what's important and and thulsa doom saying no no what's important is getting people to will yep and that's and that and also kind of plays into the fact of you know in the 
like the the hippie culture of the 70s as this film came out in 1982, things, hippie-dippy things are still happening, overflow from the 70s into the 80s, but also cults were on the rise in the 70s and yeah. the 80s. So that obviously, I think, is really well portrayed in the film of just, you know, how an influence of one individual over the, their minions or those who are part of the followers can basically uh, just have really terrible consequences. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, great, just a great scene, really, really well done by um, by James Earl Jones, and then he he gives the uh, the great line, "Contemplate this on the tree of woe," um, <laughs> and so they we we see that they they literally crucify Conan out in the desert, and the we should mention too the like all the areas they filmed are are gorgeous. You've got snowy mountains, you've got yeah. like the rocky coasts, you've got like what looks like deserts and stuff. It's it's really varied and and really adds to sort of the otherworldly feel I think of the of the environment because you're like right. it, it's everything. Yep, it's everything and and that kind of in every great action adventure f- fantasy film clearly landscapes and geography play a huge role. And I think, and I read, I think it may have been on the Wikipedia page that they did what some filming in what northern Spain for large portions yes. of this. But, yep. but, but, so that obviously, the, you know, the landscape obviously complements everything throughout the entire film. And this, and the, you know, the the, the crucifixion, you know, stage was was no less more uh, amazing as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's, um, it's neat how they did it. I've seen the behind the scenes thing. Arnold is essentially, uh on the tree on on sitting on sort of like a bicycle seat which is you know covered by his loincloth so you don't see right. you don't see it but so it's kind of neat um and yeah so we see him crucified there the vultures are, are waiting for him to to die and he actually <laughs> he actually fights one off by biting its neck and <laughs> chewing into it now apparently according to the again according to i think it was in one of the documentaries uh they quote unquote obtained a dead vulture <laughs> see where it act so, you know they're not saying they killed the vulture but right. they obtained a vulture obtained it. right and the one that arnold like bites into and falls the reason it looks so real is it's a real dead vulture real so dead he, vulture. he did that that scene and then they would run to him with like um like a an antiseptic rinse for his mouth <laughs> oh right right okay he's, he's like doing the ozzy osbourne but at the same right. point yeah yeah, how how like how how recently dead was this vulture, and uh, yeah, what type of uh, bacteria <laughs> could yeah, he be so. dealing with in his mouth right now? Well, he yeah. clearly survived, so that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Peta nowhere in sight apparently. Um, <laughs> so um, as he's there uh, baking in the sun, uh, Conan thinks he's hallucinating, thinks he sees Subutai in the distance but um and and it's done nicely because you see him and then um you know conan starts to laugh and he's he's clearly and he's coughing and hanging he's clearly losing it out there and then Subutai disappears and you're like oh he's imagining it and then nope no he appears up over like a dune and it's like oh okay he is coming to his rescue (laughs) yeah so nice music there too it's got a nice upbeat um um so they bring conan back to the wizard uh valeria tells him she will pay any price um to bring him back so uh really cool scene where where akiro covers him in runes um and um the the underworld says you know the the underworld the demons will come for him um so they do come to take him this part obviously looks outdated because it's um 
you know, it's essentially animation of these black demons trying to take Conan's body, you know, and today it would, it would probably look cooler, but I don't know. There's a certain creepiness and charm to how it looks as far as I'm concerned. What what do you think about those? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, the the, the way they did it, I mean, and you kind of go back to the original witch scene, how they, how her body transformed to a kind of a pulsating bolt of of blue light that was bouncing around. I think, you know, they did it as tactfully and as skillfully as they could have without going over the top and, you know, and stay within the confines of the technology they had at the time. Yeah. So it definitely looks outdated, but, um, but also has a kind of, um, I don't know, kind of old school, uh, feel to it, which I, which I do appreciate. Right. So they, they fight it off. Um, the, the demons, uh, are not able to take Conan to the underworld. And, uh, so we see that he, he wakes up, um, and is revived and we get another, you know, really nice uh from a from a filming location standpoint we get a nice shot of like the ocean and conan's up on like this big you know cliff above the coast and and he's wielding his sword and um you know you can tell that he's he's okay now but there's also a nice quiet moment where he's wielding the sword and everything and then he just kind of looks at his hand and you can kind of the unspoken thing there is that he's thinking about what false doom has said like the like is is the is the weapon what is strong or is it the hand that is strong is it right. the flesh so yeah nice nice little subtle scene there um then you get a cool again very D D. the the party is preparing to raid uh raid the mountain they they put on the camouflage which is really cool um and at first too when you see it because there's like almost like a light like a cream color and then a dark color and they even are burning their swords and making um right cool cool marks on the swords and you're like i don't know if that's great camouflage and then you see the lighting when they get inside and you're like this is this would actually work like right, it's not it just complete sense yeah yeah it's not just to make them look cool this like would work so um so valerian subatai are like look let's get king osric's daughter we'll kill falsa doom another day right so um so they're they're getting ready to go in um they sneak inside they're told about like a back entrance and you can see they show like the sort of the back side of the the mountain of power and there are all these little pockets of smoke and fire and stuff where presumably different entrances right. where they can get in again very D different ways into the dungeon oh of course <laughs> hidden passageways <laughs> um, yep so so they sneak inside and it's at that point that we learn that that doom's cult is actually a cult of cannibals we see all the uh, the people parts <laughs> that are being cooked up and chopped up. Yeah, that was kind of an interesting revelation because you know leading up to this, you just think, okay, there it's a snake cult. They have a charismatic leader who's very, you know, very uh, chooses his words wisely and can mesmerize people. But yeah, that was kind of a, a kind of a, a left uh, stage left. Whoa, what the <laughs> shit was that? <laughs> yeah, like oh, they're eating people. Okay, yeah. yeah. There's even they're even making that giant stew, and like one of the one of the acolytes comes up and like gets a bowl of the people's stew and uh, <laughs> um and then pulls a hand out and starts like, yeah, punching on it. It's like oh, gnawing, gnawing on the hand. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Come get your soylent green. Um. <laughs> so so we see inside too in the area where where the stew is. There's like a like a big like audience chamber with all these uh, pillars and there's essentially like a drunken drugged orgy taking place um and and they do all seem very out of it like you can um you can they're kind of falling over each other totally, and stuff yeah lethargy and you know yeah just yeah. like anesthetized from probably the, the moment especially any any of those crazy orgy scenes and then also kind of goes back to cult orgies of the like 70s into the 80s we're not yeah. we're not 
engaged in by sober people. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, and there's there's very much that, um, yeah, the, that feeling of, of them being – staying submissive by being drugged or whatever it is. Um, and there's also a really cool thing we see. There's like a um, – one of the – one of the cult members is, is there's a young woman who's chained to one of the pillars and that's straight out of a frank frazetta painting um which milieu said they used as um a lot of those uh, the, the the snake there's a great frazetta painting of um i think it's even from a conan cover um of a giant snake and stuff so so they were using frazetta's work as inspiration and if you've never seen it i would highly recommend there's a documentary about frank frazetta called painting with fire um Really, really good. Uh, gets into his story and just about his um, his career and everything. He's he's uh, he's a really great artist. So um, very cool, like scene setting there. Um, and the music, again, the soundtrack is phenomenal. The music here, coupled with what you're seeing and the and the like, like the drugged out orgy, it almost gives this scene a dreamlike feeling. There's like a very, very much so. Yeah. So I I really like how they did that. Um, so all the uh, the the D and D party gets themselves into position, um, and they um, they they start to start to actually kill uh, some of the guards and things like that. And we see that Valeria goes and grabs the princess, um, and uh, we also get the um, yeah I didn't write it down, but I almost forgot. And it's a, it's a cool part. False Doom turning literally turning into a snake. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Actually becoming the what he what he's pre, what his what the cult exists for and what he actually, uh, you know, is. Yeah. That was kind of a crazy scene, his, his transformation. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's one of those things where it's like, ah, is this outdated and bad or is it good? But they essentially how they did it, him starting to transform is they made like a rubber face mask of James Earl Jones. And then they pushed like a snake shaped thing. Cause like when his, when he starts to transform his whole front of his face starts to elongate and you're like, Oh, yes. that yeah. Yeah. It, you're like, ah, it doesn't quite look right, but there's also something kind of disturbing about it that, that kind of works. Oh, totally. And then you get the um, – I've seen it in memes all the time. You get the snake actually wearing the picture of this, the, you know, the shot of the snake with the with his, like, cult, like, headpiece and stuff. It looks – it's it's a cool um, cool visual. And I, and I wonder if they were kind of, you know, trying not to duplicate but also kind of a, a slight stay in the nod of – on the horror side because, that you know, that's kind of a horrific thing to – you know, to witness, but also, you know, American Werewolf in London, you yeah. know, uh, very much so the, the werewolf transfer, transformation scene was done kind of like stop motion type protrusions, yep. prosthetics, that sort of thing. So they maybe they were trying to go for a slight effect because I think the films were, were in a couple of years of each other. Yeah, so. I was going to say that I know that came out right around the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, so it's cool. And it shows you, oh, Tulsa Doom does – he's got some legitimate power here outside right. of just, you know – He's not just a talker. He's actually yeah. a, a creature. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got some sort of power. So um, so we get a great battle scene. Um, you know, Thorgrim and Rexor show up, and um, and they, they recognize Conan. They're like, oh, you're still alive. Um, <laughs> and again, we get to see uh, Rexor with that hammer literally bring one of the pillars down. He, he swings at Conan, misses, and shatters right. the pillar, and it, it falls down. Um which is really cool because um, it's not – even in other fantasy movies and stuff, I can't think of another dude wielding a two-handed hammer. Like, Nope, not that large. We've seen smaller war hammers and what have yeah. you in more recent films, but not something – I mean that thing is a mallet. If you, if you yeah. picture what a mallet is, times it has a thousand in size. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah. it's just – 
it's a brutal killing device. <laughs> yeah, so great um great action scene there where they they do get the princess and they kill a bunch of the guards. Um and um here here's really where I want to talk about Valeria not being a damsel in distress. Conan's got the princess on his shoulder. They're running out. They're trying to escape the, the mountain. Subutai's right with him. He's got his bow. They're not – they don't worry for a second about Valeria. She's behind them. Right. They know she's okay. She's going to get out, and then you get an awesome scene of her kicking some ass and killing f- three, four, five people on the way yeah. out by herself. We don't, you get to really see her full form of, as a swords a swordsman, basically, yeah. you know, wielding. Yeah, yeah, and so it's great. It's a, it's a, Again, it's not <clears> – <throat> It's not done over the top or overtly. It's just kind of unspoken. She can take care of herself. Right. She's going to get out of here. So I I really like and appreciate how she's handled in this movie. Um, you know, you could argue the the princess Osric's daughter is is a damsel in distress as a device, but but the main female lead is absolutely not. Right. You know, um, very similar to Princess Leia, how we first see her in absolutely, the new Absolutely right. Yes, she's a prisoner, but as soon as she's released, she takes charge. Yes. Um, so it's good. It's nice, nice, strong female character in um, in fantasy. Um, and then you get to see a little bit more of what Falsa Doom can do. Is he? It's a. It, it's kind of cool. He takes a snake. He's got a small snake around his neck. Um, Conan, Valerian, Subutai, and and Osric's daughter have all taken a horseback and they're fleeing. And Falsa Doom just says seek. And he like it's yeah. a super easy thing that he does. He takes a real snake and like yep. just runs his hand down it and then they replace it out for like a snake arrow. Yeah, it turns into like a quiver. Like what? <laughs> yeah, it's like what what just happened? And then he fires, takes the bow, fires it, and hits Valeria from a distance. Right. Um it's a, a kind of a crazy thing, but also kinda and again, very D and D, but very cool. Very much um, so. <laughs> yep. So she's she's shot in the side. It's obviously a poisonous snake. Um yep. She mentions that she told the gods she'd pay the price for for bringing Conan back. So this is this is that price coming due. Right. Um, and um, uh, it's it's also really well done. Again, real simple um, camera work. But when he pulls the snake out of the arrow, he pulls a real just, you know, he's holding a real snake against her as it's filmed and pulls it away. And it, it's right. a real snake again. Yeah. And you're like, so it looks like the arrow is turned. But it's it's yeah, very the, the well continuity done. of that was really well done because they could have like just made it not be a real snake they could just have like a snake looking quiver but they actually have it broken down as a real snake so yeah and for a little while i was like i was like oh they, they got it backwards because she got shot in the right side and they're pulling it through pulling it out of the left and then i realized no it's gone through her gone like through she her. yeah um because when he pulls it out the the mouth is at the like yeah right. it's gone it's gone through her um so then uh back to the mounds they they burn valeria uh in a funeral pyre and um you get you get a nice quick little piece of um commentary from Subutai where you know Akira's like you know why are you crying and Subutai says he is Conan he will not cry so I cry for him yeah so, again <laughs> going back to that sort of machismo but um yes but, much but, so. a, but a good but it shows you the bond too that that Subutai has um so at this point they know doom's going to come for them so they they dig in at the mounds. They prepare to defend them. Akira brings them some weapons, and we'd we'd seen there at the mounds that presumably a, a great battle had taken place. There's skeletons and um, yes. of not only warriors but horses and weapons and things all over the um, all over the place there. Um, I want to point out too, real quick, 
I have a DVD copy that's I, – I think it's called the extended cut. It's not like a director's cut or anything, but it restores two scenes, and I really wish they had left both of them in. But I'm happy that I have that DVD. I don't think it ever came out on Blu-ray, um, and I've never seen it like broadcast or streaming anywhere, this extended cut. Uh, but it's got an extra scene where Subutai and Conan are talking when they're getting ready – to um when they're defending their i think they're sharpening the punji stakes that they that they lay everywhere um and they're just talking about growing up and being kids and like just peaceful things and stuff and it's a really does it add a ton to the movie no but it super super strengthens the bond that conan and yeah yeah and it's a really nice scene and i wish they'd left it in Uh, i'm sure it's available on youtube or whatever if, if you've never seen it but um so so they get ready, and they can see Thulsa Doom's uh, approaching uh, army, and then of course Conan gives the the great speech where he's you know he starts to pray to Crom and talks about how he how he hasn't done it, and you know, but um, it's got that great ending where he's like, if he's like, if you do not listen, then to hell with you. So he's like, <laughs> he's like he's like look Crom, we could use some help, but if not, right. we're gonna do if this not, right. we, we're gonna do our best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So sorry, getting a drink. Uh, then we get the big finale battle, and there is just some phenomenal stunts in this by even some of the horses, even. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, you. Oh. It almost kind of makes you wonder. You know, when, when they when they put those disclaimers at the end of films, you know, no animals were hurt <laughs> during the filming of this. Like, yeah, there was a lot of like crazy, you know, horse action sequences. Yeah, there's one where a horse goes takes like three rolls down a hill, yeah. and then he stands he stands up at the end. But it's like, wow, that like they did that, that either, as yeah, you know, as gracefully and delicately with the the animal rights people. Like, you got to be careful. <laughs> He's got to make sure he stands up at the bottom of this of, of this graded hill. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but there's some great um, some great you know some great kills and some and some good bloody action here and um rexor gets the giant spike through the uh through the chest finally gets his justice due (laughs) yeah which is pretty gnarly um and then you get the face off with um uh with uh thorgrim who uh, or is it rexor i I always get those two um i think it's rexor yeah it's rexor thorgrim's the one that got the um with the mallet who got the the spike through the chest so you get the the face off uh with rexor and you can see that rexor has conan's father's sword which which thalsa doom took way back at the beginning when he when he beheaded conan's mother um but then again bringing it back around to the riddle of steel and whether or not that's really how things work conan shatters that sword he cuts that sword in half so his his father's own sword breaks um and so and also, obviously, Valeria comes back from the dead briefly to to save him, uh, as she she said she would. She said like if I can't remember what the line is, but it's like if I were in the the very pits of hell, I would come back to fight come by her side. Yeah. <laughs> so um so she comes back briefly and uh and blocks a sword strike that's coming for Conan. And then I don't think it's even clear whether she it's an actual physical strike that she gets off on Rexor or just blinds him because she's wearing this bright like Valkyrie armor yes. in the afterlife. Um, right. But um, but then, you know, Conan um, is able to to slash uh, Rexor into into bits. You get a great one, great last one where he, he falls and like in, toward the camera and you don't see him land, but just a great big spurt of blood goes. Whoosh, yep. just like it. So it's like, oh, yeah, he's quite dead. Those, those um, classic nods to like the like the 
the seventies samurai films with yeah, the kung fu, like yeah. Like, like really over the top kill. Yeah. <laughs> but tactically uh, done. <laughs> yeah. Um and then, you know, Conan picks up his father's sword, the um which is now broken and he's got both, you know, the one that he, he got out of the crypt and then his father's sword and it's a um you know, a nice little scene there as he kinda takes it in and you know realizes he's he's returned he's gotten the sword back that's kind of his family um you know destiny but also that you know maybe the riddle of steel isn't quite what his father thought it was um doom again uses snake arrow tries to kill the princess um from long range um subutai who's taken a a pretty bad leg wound he gets like a spear right to the back of the calf or yeah eye. never Uh, good (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but he um he kind of limps his way and grabs a shield and and does a nice like diving save to block the snake arrow, um, so um and then Doom runs off. He's got no, you know, he he's got no warriors left. Yeah, his his army has been virtually decimated at this point. So he's a, a man without a without a protection force. Yeah. Um, and then we see here, and this is another spot where there's a deleted scene that I think is really valuable and it's not super long, but, uh, Osric's daughter shows Conan how to get in, um, to the temple and it, and the yeah. deleted scene, you see her kind of, kind of walking up and, and leading him through. And then there's a guard and Conan like, you know, slits a throat or, or drives a dagger into the back. So you actually see Conan sneaking in. He doesn't right. just sort of, in the film as it is, he just sort of appears. Thulsa Doom's again up at the top of the mountain of power. Right. All of his acolytes are down. It's it's a beautifully like uh beautiful visual scene because it's it's nighttime and they've all got torches and so yeah. it looks really cool with him and he's got like a really cool like robe that he's wearing. Um it, and again, it almost looks like a like a minor Aztec temple, like with a long yeah. stairwell and like you said, the torches, very much obviously like the, the sacrificial altar style thing. So I think they did a good nod taking a historical historically accurate you know setting or venue and putting it you know uh, as what the you know where you would find a cult leader or a leader of yeah. a, a, a a domain yeah so um so again I, I think that deleted scene is good because it shows how he gets in there because right as presented in the final in the theatrical cut Conan just sort of shows up behind yes. um Right. Which again, it's not not a big deal. We've seen him sneak in before, but um, but I do think that little extra. He's gotten better with the sneaking in. So. Yes, yes, he, <laughs> yeah, his stealth rolls have been, he's put some points in his stealth. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> and then there's the confrontation with Thulsa Doom, and and there's again there's another great interaction here, and and great work by James Earl Jones where he says, you know, um. I am the cause of all all this power, all of this, all that you've been able to accomplish was because of me. He says, I am the wellspring from which you flow. Right. Um, and he's kind of hypnotizing Conan, and um, but he snaps out of it and then literally just hacks his head off. Oh, incredible hack. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't even any delay between that. As soon as he just kind of like broke the, the trance of the of the uh the kind of the alluring words that were kind of you know musing him into or lulling him lulling his because i think he called him son at one point yes, too so yes. he kind of you know so, so he's getting in his head as a cult leader would do using the right words using the right phrases and then just lops his head right, <laughs> right yeah off. yeah that's a good point about the son he does he says he calls him his son he says yeah. because who is your father if not me i'm if the wellspring yep. from which you flow so right. yeah He's given him all of this impetus to, to do these things. So, um, 
Yeah, and then yeah, he hacks the head off and holds it up, and then he just throws it down the stairs. Right, and music it bounces and rolls. <laughs> it's great, and the the cult. It you can tell that there's like a more of a some sort of hypnosis going on because it sort of breaks the spell. It breaks the spell 100. percent Yeah, because yeah. their reactions as they see it happening and unfold, and then with the head coming down the stairwell, they're suddenly uh, all awoken from you know this kind of slumbered or drug slumber that they were in being part of the cult yep and then they all begin to one by one throw their torches into the into the pool um right. down at the bottom and another thing too to point out too is that um when conan hacks off uh Thulsa doom's head he does so with the broken sword of his father yes. and then when he tosses the head he literally drops the sword the broken sword he's like i don't i don't need this anymore another like another point uh things coming full circle you know a, a an heirloom that was taken at a young age that was used to murder his mom is now exacted the final revenge yes. on on Tulsa. Yep, it served its purpose. So um and then um uh Conan and this is one of those where you're like, ah, I'm just gonna go with it, but he throws like a giant um uh like like lantern or cauldron of you know fire, throws it up, launches it up, um hammer throw Olympic style. Yes. Uh, up into the <laughs> upper part of the 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 area where Thulsa Doom was speaking from, the upper part of the, the temple. Uh, and apparently this giant stone temple that's carved out of the mountain catches on fire. I don't... Right. I, I'm thinking maybe there's like some sort of streamlined like or, oils or hot... Oh, that could yes, be. Something. But yeah, I, I thought oil. that was yeah, interesting too it. because yeah, it's, a, it's a giant stone temple and unless there's a, a gas supply or some sort of supply, things like that should – it was a, a plot device, I'm sure, yeah, to make it, it more cool. effect. It worked, but you know, yeah. us being out here now in, tw- in 2020, looking back, like yeah, that kind of didn't quite make sense. If there's some wooden structures that he somehow was able to you know, get yeah. them on fire, that would be – and then everything else kind of burning. But yeah, a stone structure, that's a, a slight hard to take. Maybe one little error they got wrong in the entire yeah, film. Yeah, so. yeah. We'll, we'll we'll go with it. But, it, but yeah, yeah, we'll it, go with it. <laughs> that always makes me go. I don't know what happened there. Um, and again, there's another brief scene that they've cut where with Osric's daughter, who essentially says, "All right, my cult leader, quasi father, is gone. I right. belong to you now, Conan." And Conan's like, "Eh." He's like, no, no, no. Brushes are off, no. But he's like, no, thank you. So, um, it, and it's funny, in, in true adventurer form, for any films like the, the 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 masculine or the machismo character, well, looks at it like I could take that, but you know, I'm too much of an adventurer. I'm too. I have many more lands to to uh, explore and conquer. I don't have time to be you know betrothed to you. So. <laughs> yeah, and it even it closes with the the shot of an older Conan sitting on the throne, and that you know. was so cool the way they ended it. Absolutely, and yeah, and then him just kind of hunched over, almost kind of like a Game of Thrones style throne throne uh, chair. And yeah, he was holding what? He's got the sword. I think big there might sword, be a, yeah. a pike too. And yeah, he's got just, a big, yeah, big beard. And yep. yeah, and you get that nice. Um, there's like just words over it that says, you know, having no more concerns. They returned Osric's wayward daughter and sought right. adventure in the West. Um, yes. So yeah, really, and and people have been begging for a new Conan with Arnold for years. Arnold wants to do it. He Doesn't badly really. wants to do it. But I, for the rights and all, there's been a whole bunch of stuff where he. Because he um, – the cool thing about the old Robert E. Howard stories where Conan came from were that as they came out, these short stories came out in the pulp magazine. Right. 
they would bounce all over Conan's life. The very first Conan story published uh, is the Phoenix on the Sword. Conan's king at that point. And then other stories would have him younger and just all, right, so, so all over the, the spectrum. Yeah, so there's there's tons of potential there for they could get away to, with that, you know, to do. I mean, but it's sad. Great in his seventies, but he could still absolutely do it. Because they were supposed to do a, a well, and I through the research, you know, Call the Conqueror or Call was supposed to be the third Conan film, but it never came to fruition, right? Something to that effect? I think the script was intended for it. Arnold, after doing um, – I've read his um, autobiography, which is which is quite good, and he's yeah. super, super upfront about everything, including his extramarital affair that, you know, where that produced a, a son. Right. Um, he's super, like, open about it and, and um, contrite about it and everything. So he's, you know – it's it I, f- I feel like everything's in there like he didn't hold back so when they did conan the destroyer um and you and i chatted a little bit about it um over text i like conan the destroyer it is yeah. not anywhere close to being on par with conan the barbarian right the thing i always say about it is it doesn't know what it wants to be there's a ton of campy humor and also a ton of really violent gore so it's yeah. almost like it was it was trying to be like oh we're gonna be a fun kids movie but it can't be because it's sure. too it's just too violent so right um, there's a little too much and you've got a, you've got a character in them that's purely for comedic effect. Um, and that's, um, Tracy Walter who plays the thief. Um, uh, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head in the movie, but, um, purely played for, for comedy yeah. in the movie. So, um, Arnold did not have a good experience making that movie. He was under contract with Dino De Laurentiis to make three movies. Mm-hmm. The way he got out of it was by agreeing to, uh, appear in Red Sonia. Okay. Um, now, the character's name in that is Kalidor, but a lot of people are like, it's Conan. And it's, it's Conan, just, yeah. yeah, it's like a quote unquote traveling name. It's like an, an alias. It, yes. If you watch Red Sonia, it's Conan. Right. So, it's, it's, you know, and to tie in, you know, always going back to the D&D thing for us, <laughs> Strider, Aragorn, Arathorn, yep, exactly, exactly. so very much the, the traveling name. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, um, so that's that's how he he got out of it. But he Arnold, yeah, he's said numerous times that he wants to do um, a King Conan movie. So I I'm hopeful that they can make it happen. It's been close, I guess, a few times, but things fall through. So right. and obviously he's getting up there right now. He I is. still think he can do it. But again, he doesn't have to be the main action. Exactly. That could be no. a son of Conan or you know. Yeah, right. He's a son of Conan or something to that effect. Where you know you you see an aged king now is past the throne or you know pa- looking to pass the throne onto his son or his offspring, and then yeah. what adventures can spur for that? I mean, they would. In today's time, day and time, we need new scripts, and I think it would be good to revisit an old storyline and tie in some old characters, and then yeah. kind of launch it in in a new direction. I, yep. The potential is there. I'm not. I'm just not certain why they still have. I I know you alluded to rights and so forth like that, but I, the time would be now to take advantage of while he's still still in pretty good form and can still act and still has his senses about him. I think it would be wonderful to kind of see a new version of it. Cause I, I didn't tell you this, but I watched the, uh, Jason Moma. Uh, remake oh yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it, he's it's not a bad Conan. It's not, a terrible script. Absolutely terrible script, but yeah, he was decent enough in the role. Natural hair looked, you know, got, got the body of it, but yeah, the script itself, uh, it hurt at, through various points of that film. So I, I watched that last night into this morning and it was, you know, it's not as good as our Conan. Right. Yeah. So that's from 2011. Um, yeah. 
I want to mention real quick too, just since we're talking about it, let me, I can't remember her name. Is it Rachel Nichols? Yeah. Rachel Nichols, um, is the, um, she's the, uh, she's like the main actress in the Jason Momoa one. She's from yes. Augusta. Really? Yep. Wow. That's yeah, running on so our yeah. doorstep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> from her listeners. Yeah. Not too far from where, uh, Brad and I grew up. So, um, uh, she's also Scarlet in the G.I. Joe um, movies. That's too. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah I knew yeah. I recognized her. Yeah, so the Momoa one from 2011, It's I've watched it a couple times. It's It's got things that I really like. I think yes. he's a good Conan. I like him as Conan. I like that they brought in um, – again, I can't remember the character's name, but um, he's got sort of like the pirate um, buddy that's um, – Yeah. Um, yeah, he's uh, been in a lot of movies too in supporting roles. He's a good actor. Yeah, yeah, um, and I can't I can't remember his name. Um, the actor's name is Nonso uh, Anozi, um, uh, and he plays Artis. Um, right. Uh, that not that character, but similar characters were in the comics where he had a, um, a pirate friend that like a pirate was sidekick. Yep, okay. Yep. Cool. Um, so that was kind of that was kind of a nod to that. So there's things I like, but um, and there's a couple scenes that are pretty cool action wise. But overall, yeah, the script is is kind of garbage. The, the um, scene I think, or the, or the action scene that I really liked. I mean, it had some decent fighting scenes, but the one towards the end of like the kind of the sand creatures. Yes, that was one's really cool. well done. I was like, okay, yeah. this, this is CGI I can get behind. It would look realistic as you know, as he slays them, he slices them with the sword and they kind of just turn basically turn to dust. sand. Basically. Yeah. So they have some sort of form, but as the, but as while they're active and attacking, they can dive into the sand, disappear and come up behind him, come above him. Yeah. Which I thought yeah. that was, that was probably one of the cooler parts of the film. Yeah. So it's, it's got things that, that I like, but yeah, overall it just, um, it, it doesn't quite, doesn't quite do it for me, but right. um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, I mean, overall, what did you think about revisiting the 1982? Awesome. You know, it was fun revisiting. The, the, the reviewing experience and seeing it all again was fantastic. But I also thought it was uh, even more amazing when I did the research behind all of this as well, because I thought that was just fantastic. You know, I enjoyed learning so many things that I didn't know about the film, especially yeah. because of the history um, behind the – because I, looking back as a kid, my, my most the most exposure I had, to be honest – was, you know, I had, I think, one comic book. I think it was a What If comic book by, of Conan. Yep. I, and I think I, I'm trying to remember. I might have had a couple of them. There's a there's a What If. I own it. It's um What If Conan, like, existed in modern times. Is it that okay. one? Okay. I think that's the one I had. And then yep. I don't – and I'm not sure if I'm making this up or if I actually did on this. If there was a Thor versus uh, Conan does oh, that I think, yep. I think there's okay. yep. What if Thor oh, fought Conan? What if Thor? Okay, that's that the other one. one I had too. So, um, and I, you know, there's a couple of I had probably I think I had three Conan comic books. Uh, always fascinated because it was it was cool. Just a, a, you know, a buff dude running around with a sword, slaying, going on adventures. It was it was it it played well into the my 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 fixation with Dungeons and Dragons. My cousins had the Thor Mego doll, so anytime oh, yeah. I visit, I would love playing with that doll. So I definitely had some, you know, a, a little bit of personal connection history to the character. But you know, actually seeing it again after this long of a time, uh, like I told you through text, I'm definitely going to be checking out the Destroyer. Um, oh yeah. Um, 
this weekend because I think I'm, I'm, while I'm running the wave, I might as well. And then we even yeah. joked about, you know, the third no, no, Red Sonia. Yeah, for sure. In Red Sonia, just to do the do, do, do the do the, the, the um the three films back to back to back just to get that that run together. But yeah, no, I it was really cool to see it. You know, early, early Arnold basically is really good because this was yeah. kind of started to shoot him into a star in Ascension. Yeah. You know, he'd been For he'd sure. been doing largely what weightlifting documentary type style films and this was kind of his big foray into um you know uh the hollywood world and i think you know at this point he just kind of kept the roles kept getting progressively better for the most part not necessarily the scripts but some of the roles he was getting Um, terminator was was right around this time and yeah so he definitely you know was a star in ascension you know for a variety of reasons very cool looking individual but also you know had that you know his austrian styled um uh, presentation on screen, which carried well for any of the characters that he was playing. So yeah, good charisma. He's, he's yep. definitely, you know, very much yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'm, um, I, I'm obviously a big fan of the character and, and love this movie. I have the complete run of the original Marvel Conan books, which is, which was yeah. a, a, just a, a super fun thing to do. And the great thing about the Conan comic books, you mentioned them briefly is that, um, as a kid, they were the perfect comic book because, Almost every Conan issue, with with some exceptions, there were some there were some story arcs that went over a couple. Almost every issue was self-contained. Like That's you could amazing. you could pick up any issue of Conan, read a fun sword and sorcery story, and right. not have to not have to worry about getting the next month's. Or if you miss a couple, you come back because right. sometimes it was even so much so that like this issue ends and Conan's like, oh, he just fought through a desert and you know it's cool and then the next one opens and he's like in the snowy mountains like it's uh, yeah. it's very much like in the movie it's like where sure, are we? yeah <laughs> but it didn't matter right because you just had cool sword and sorcery and that's um, the, yeah the sword and sorcery portion of the adventurer they can you know disappear and then and arrive at a different location so yeah that that's really cool to know that yeah um, and how, it, many, how many books in the whole series uh 275 wow and you are you you said you've got got them all i have them all i have them that's all now incredible. yeah incredible Awesome. Yeah, and it was um this has already been a long episode, but just <laughs> I'll tell this real quick. <laughs> uh one of my favorite things to do at comic shows and conventions is to look in the cheap bins. Used to be fifty cent to a quarter bins, now they're usually a dollar. Sometimes you can still find the fifty cent bins, but I love right. it, getting into those and if they've got those seventies and eighties books, I'll look for a chunk, like a run. It's like here's yeah. eight issues in a row of whatever. I've done that with West Coast Avengers, Alpha Flight, Iron Man, nice. like tons of stuff that's just like this is not something I ever collected, but for fifty cents each, I will okay. absolutely grab ten of these and sure, and good, no brainer. Conan, Conan was a huge book. It was a huge seller for Marvel um, through the seventies, and I mean it. It started in nineteen what was it seventy two? I think was the first, or maybe even seventy for the first issue. I can't remember. Right. Um, and went into the 90s, like 275 issues. That's a long That's run. That's an incredible run, yeah. And and there was a time in the 70s where it was one of their best sellers. Um, so my, you mentioned the Migos. Conan had a Migo doll. Yeah. Um, so um, so it was a super popular book. Yeah. And super available. So those cheap bins would have, oh, here's a Conan. There were a lot, especially in the like issue 100 to 200. There's tons of those in there. I would pick them up. And then eventually, a few years ago, I was like, all right, I need to – I have all – I call them readers because they're not bagged and boarded. I didn't pay anything for them. I'm yeah. not concerned about their condition. I'll sure. take a stack of them and go sit on the porch and read. Yeah. You know, I had a bunch of all different stuff like I mentioned, Batman, all these. So I'm like, I got to organize these and see what I've got. And I had just from picking up you know, here and there, 
50 issues of Conan. Some were repeat, you know, repeated because I didn't right. pay attention. Of I was course. like, all right. And then I put it together and I'm like, I've got 40 issues between issue 100 and 200. Let's fill that in. And then ah. I got 100 to 200. And then I started seeing ones in the, in the you know, 80s, 90s, 70s, those yep, issue range. numbers. And, I was yeah. like, oh. and then all of a sudden it was like, all right, I'm kind of getting close here. Right. Let me ignore post 200 and see what I can do. And then suddenly it was I was down to 30, 40 issues. And then Incredible. it just and it just grew from I there. Love these, I love hearing these types of quests because, yeah, they start off as like, it was oh, fun. Get a handful collected. And then it becomes that's what the, the beauty of you know having hobbies are, especially in the comic comic collecting world. It's you get on a roll and you start to realize that this is good. And then the, the hunt is the adventure to track them yes. down, be they at a Comic-Con or be they online or be they at a random comic book shop or an old antique store that you just happen to flip through and like, my God, whoa, got to grab these. Yeah, it, it became awesome. super fun. And it also became a challenge, too. And I, I said when I started to get towards the end, I'm not going to order any of these online. I'm not going right. on eBay. I'm going to pick these up physically Manually and find and them. The old school. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, two, yeah, it was 2020. I got the last, the last issues and they were the harder ones, honestly, were in the high numbers because really? it had fallen off so much. There weren't a ton that were being printed. And you also had some early work by significant artists. There were a couple of Todd McFarlane covers early in his oh, nice. career, um, that jacked the price up. So I was sure. like, why is this random issue in the 260s going for 25, $30? Right. Um, so yeah, it became fun to to track them down, and uh, awesome. I actually just bought a second copy of number one. Um, my wife, as a gift for me a couple of years ago for my birthday, bought me a graded copy, and I told her I said, I don't need a 9.0. I don't need like a five figure sure copy of number one. I would be happy to have any number one. She got me one that's graded at a 5.5. It's in the the slab thing that they do, the the lucite. Yep. Um, and, you know, it was a few hundred dollars and that was perfect. So I'm like, it's an awesome gift. Yeah. It completes this. Um, and it, I'm super happy to have it. Awesome. Uh, I was in a shop in Boston a couple of weeks ago and somebody had a really rough copy for like 40 bucks. And he took it out and I'm looking at it. It's got like a stamp on the front, scribbles yeah. on the back. It's all intact. Staples are good. You know, it's it's a little rough. There's like a crease on the front cover. Yeah. I'm like. I can't leave this here for that much. I was, and I asked, I was like, will you take 30 bucks for it to just to do a little yeah, haggling? A barter. Like, like, absolutely. So, cool. so now I have one that I can actually open because the other one. Yeah. It's the but, user so. copy versus the other ones you can protect yeah. and keep those archived with the, with the collection. And if I ever wanted to sell that entire run, yeah. uh, I can sell that copy of one and keep my one that my wife got. Me. Ex <laughs> yeah. Because you, the, the buyer doesn't have to know. Yeah, you have another copy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a complete run period. Yeah, so, um, awesome. So, that's, so that's been that's been super fun. Um, but um, yeah. So I, you know, I I love the character, and I think I guess there's I I've lost track of where it is. Supposedly there was a I I can't remember if it was Netflix. If it was Netflix, it's probably dead because they're they're hacking everything right now. Right. But some streaming service was going to do a series, a Conan series, oh, and I don't know man. where. That would have been. It's See, perfect, okay, right? I, I would, yeah, I would even, that would be something that would be good. They could, they don't have to do another feature film then. Maybe they could, you know, you know, somehow get Arnold in a series, like a short run series, like, yeah. like Marvel does. I mean, I think it doesn't even, eight even, episodes can, can do wonders for a character. People for, who have, they don't have to redo the storyline, but they could do like the flashbacks and allude to the past. Exactly. Have, Cohen, have Arnold be adult 
King Old Conan. Yes, talking about his adventures. Yeah, cast Damn, somebody young. They better do this in our lifetime. <laughs> yeah, cast somebody young and yes. um and let them be Conan and have Arnold right. as like the bookends to the. Yeah, one hundred percent. And then have and that would be easy uh, an easier role for him to, to to play, telling the tales to whoever he's telling the tales to, a group of people on a table, and they could span those stories and his story. You could see, I, we could even see this, him sitting at the head of a table tell, yeah. at a long table of a barbarian. Talking to his grandkids. Table. Yeah, his grandkids and telling them the tales and the adventures yeah. that, they, that he's that been involved with and the, and the people that he's met and the, the monsters he's slayed. Yeah, that would, we need that. <laughs> the world <laughs> needs Conan. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful that it happens. Um because it, it really would be. And there was yeah. an old series, kind of a – I haven't investigated it much. There was a series, I want to say it was in the 90s, um, a Conan series. I haven't heard much about it, which probably says it's not very good. Right. But, um, but it does exist, so maybe I'll check it out at some point. But, um. <laughs> you can either be pleasantly surprised or dismiss it from the first episode. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. I, can't, I cannot invest myself in this. It's not going to yeah. happen. <laughs> but it's worth it's worth checking out since it exists. Yeah. Um, I want to mention real quick, I know, and it was a while ago when we did the last episode, it was Lost Boys, and we talked about doing Transformers. Um, we'll put those on the back burner because I like to do the toy ones around Christmas. Yeah, um, definitely so, so. So let's come back to that. And, you know, I don't think realistically we'll be able to, to record every month, but I would definitely like to record a few more times this year and, and just, 100%. you know. Yeah, get a handful out and um, maybe maybe next one, Brad, we want to do. I think we're up to 1982 for music, which would be good because that's 40 years we out. We haven't done music in a while, yeah. Okay, why don't we plan for that? Perfect, in fact, yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for going along with me on the uh, on the Conan adventure. Dude, this was an amazing adventure. It, it was a good experience, you know, and always a pleasure to, to uh, step into the world, especially when it means so much to you. Like that, I really enjoyed uh, the discussion today. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, and I've been wanting to do it for a long time, and I obviously love this movie very much. And I would really encourage people to – uh, if if you do kind of dismiss it as a cheesy 80s um, sword and sorcery flick, definitely check it out again because it's it's yeah. so much more than that. Yep, it really it, is. It'll, it 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 holds up, and if you keep that if you keep that in perspective, it will have much more of an impact on you. Definitely. Yeah. And of course, the soundtrack's amazing. So. Yep, that too. We love music. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Brad. This was awesome as always. Definitely, always. All right. Well, thank you, listeners. We are out, but um, had so much fun talking about this, and we'll come back again soon, talk some music. Until then, I want to remind you, if you're going to buy Black Lotus, make sure it's not Haga. You've been listening to Ego, the 80s Geek Out podcast with Ian Clark and Brad Anderson. We are a part of the Freebooters Network. Check out thefreebootersnetwork.com to listen to all the awesome podcasts on the network. We also invite you to check out our sponsor, Geek Nation Tours, at geeknationtours.com and interact with our Facebook page, ask questions, offer comments, and critiques. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.